Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Brian Kahenick. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Friday, April 21st in the year 2023. Patriots, tonight we've got a very special guest, which we'll bring on here in just a few minutes. And it's Brian Kahanek. If you do remember him, should remember him, should know him. He's literally one of the best guitarists in America, and he's got the sense and feel of what makes us all feel so good. He plays strings and makes some magic, and he's got an amazing voice, and he's done some amazing work, and he's also was feature at Bards Fest. So all those things put together, it's always an honor to have him on, and we'll have him on here in just a moment. Patriots, one thing before we begin tonight, we know that these Luciferian pedophile crazy elites are trying to take away every aspect of independence we have from money to food. And food is one of those things we have to be consciously aware of. You need to have your food supplies up so you've got a baseline always for your family that has indefinite, nearly indefinite shelf life, like 20 years. And the best way to do that is My Patriot Supply. Patriots, anyone who thinks they won't need emergency food isn't paying attention. Every day, the headlines get worse and worse. Is the unthinkable next? It pays to prepare. That's why I seriously recommend you stock up on emergency food right now. You never know when the next shoe will drop, and when it does, emergency food will be hard to find. So get yours now while it's on sale. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and check out their popular three-month emergency food kit. Right now, you'll save $200 per kit. Each kit gives you a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks, providing over 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength and energy. Act now and claim your $200 savings per kit. You'll sleep better knowing your family won't suffer if the worst ever happens. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll enjoy free shipping too. MyPatriotSupply.com. Patriots, no time to waste. Sovereignty begins with food security. Check it out. MyPatriotSupply.com. You won't be disappointed, Patriots. That's a good place to do some work and get some good baseline food for your stocks. Look, we've had a pretty crazy week. I think we can all agree. And in general, this stuff gets old when we start dealing with these pedophile elites, it's wearing and tiring. And I know that at the end of the week, I'm ready not to have to think about it anymore. And that's when, if you're smart, you tune into good music and you tune into good tunes and you tune into things that just really take you places. Tonight, I'm really honored as to have my good friend, Brian Kahanek in. And Brian is just... A real inspiration. When he and I like to get together, and you're going to have a hear this conversation tonight, and you know how I normally am, by the way. I normally don't do live interviews because I always, we never know where we're going to go. But Brian's one of these that 
Live interviews are great. And we're going to have a nice conversation tonight to just kind of take us places and just enjoy the conversations of what I consider to be one of the top artists in the country. Brian, are you there? I am, brother. Hey, man. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Hey. Thanks for having Thanks for joining the show tonight. Oh, man, it's, it's an honor on my part, brother. Thank you for having me. And it's always great to talk to Bards Nation and the B-Dads. It's awesome. It, it's, it's always good to have you on. So bring us up to date a little bit, because you've done some pretty cool compositions this last year, and, uh, and you're doing some new stuff. So let's start there a little bit. Yeah, thanks, man. We, uh, we just did our cover of Amazing Grace. It's Agile and I. Uh, under the Kahanix, uh moniker, and you know, it's, it's a, that's the, that's the hymn that you know. It's and it's funny because people they they know the first verse you know, right off the bat, and then it's like there's so many others that come after that, and so it was such it's so much fun to go through these hymns and read the the, the lyrics and read the the stanzas and the verses and just get re inspired because you know I, I I'm gonna knock the dust off of my knowledge of these tunes as well and uh, it just once you get into a man and um you start learning and, the, and they're very simple chord progressions and 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 the meters and stuff a three a lot of them three four six eight kind of feels and stuff and it's great to get reacquainted because man i when i was recording the uh, the vocals for it it's just like i it took me about an hour so i was getting choked up because it was that heavy when i was singing it and that means i'm, I'm really it, you know, it's it's really hitting me hard in my heart, which is amazing. That's why I know I'm getting my best stuff when that happens, you know. Um, but that's we just released that a couple of weeks ago, so that's out all over the place. You can find that on our website at thekahonics.com. Or uh, we just created a new YouTube channel, by the way, um, that we're going to have a lot of new content that we're going to start put, putting up there, and it's going to be everything from homesteading with, with uh, like Jill's. She's so passionate about textiles and making uh, clothes and sewing and. Uh, making soap and all these really amazing homesteading things that you can do and she's so good at it and then she's an amazing musician too so i'm very lucky in that regard uh so we just released that and i'm so proud of that song man i because you know when you're doing a, a amazing grace you know it's like that's a very tall order and there's some amazing versions out there so um the good lord gave me the the ticket to ride on that and it was really great to, to finish it and put it out and the response we've gotten has really been humbling man so you guys are now you just, I need to, hit, to have you hit that again. You just started your own YouTube channel. We did. Yeah. We, in fact, well, it, you were very, a good inspiration on that, my friend, because you've definitely been a maverick out there pushing a lot of, a lot of ice out of the way for people and, and, you know, breaking ground to show the way on this new economy, which is awesome. And that's something that uh, Jill and I are very passionate about because, you know, we've, we've all been on the Luciferian tilt a whirl, if you will. <laughs> and it's, time to, it's time to freaking get off, man, because I've had enough. And like you said, after this week, dude, it's just been so crazy. Have you ever, have you ever played a, that dumb game, Pachinko? Oh, yeah. Like my dad, he had three of those machines when I was a kid. I loved playing Pachinko. Yeah, it, it, yeah. that's pretty much what we, are we used to be, right? Just sitting there flipping the lever all day long. Yeah, yeah. a stupid uh -huh. ball go up and bounce around and come down, and, and you win no points. You just keep doing it over and over. That's why I bring it up. I mean, it's it's fun when you're a kid, and then you get older. You're like, why was I spending hours flipping a lever all day long? <laughs> right? There's no Pavlov's payoff at the end of this game. Yeah, no you know? kidding. That's crazy. Well, 
You know, we've talked a lot about stuff on the side, obviously. Let's talk a little bit about your favorite former alma mater, Disney, because that's you yeah. got out of there just on the cusp of the waves of destruction. I mean, that's the only way I can say it, because they, they're now just yeah. in the axe mode right now, aren't they? It's. I think next week's going to be pretty rough over there, and I've got some friends of mine that are that are there, and they're everybody's sweating bullets, and you know the morale's in the toilet, and all that stuff. And it's it's just so funny. There's there's so much to unpack there, and I, it's funny because, and my mom said it best here. She's like, you know, you're you were at Disney for 20 years or so as an audio person, and but and you left, and you know, so they won't have you back because you wouldn't take the vax, and you're a straight christian white man you know of course and then you know there, there but there's a lot of the side of the uh the, the patriot movement this season oh you're in the you were at, worked at disney so you must be a groomer or something like that so <laughs> you kind of caught, we're caught between two worlds here and i will if say only, you know, only they knew you but yeah that's okay. yeah yeah that's and, you know whatever i i get it i i understand the anger towards the company right now because they've really lost their way and when i was there you know all those years ago man it was a great place to be really and i i worked directly with the voice uh, of Mickey Mouse and the, uh, the voice of Minnie Mouse, Wayne and Rusey Taylor. And they were dear hearted people that were not on board with any of the stuff that's going on here. As far as I could tell, you know, I knew them for a long time. I would, I record them every day, you know, and it was, uh, it was an honor to do so. And I actually played Wayne's uh, in, inception into the Disney hall of fame there. And it was like the whole company's there and I'm up there playing sunshine. As a matter of fact, and uh, I got like, there's Bob Iger sitting there and Roy Disney, and they're all staring a hole in my head. I'm just like, man, Wayne Allwine was the coolest guy on the planet, and this is for him, and I don't care about any of this corporate crap, you know. And so it really makes me sad to see where, what's happening here. And to get out of there, you're right, man. It's, uh, it's I mean, that lose 44% of your stock value in just like a very short amount of time is, is startling and shocking. And, but it's it's all well-deserved, you know, if you if, – <laughs> If you're going to serve the minority only, then you're going to, at some point, you know, I don't know how much they're getting subsidized from the federal government, all of these woke corporations like the Budweiser and all this other stuff. And it's like, oh, well, just it won't matter because, you know, the, the government's going to send us money and it doesn't matter if you buy the beer or not, it's still going to be around. That's like the epicenter of, of communism, right? Or, or fascism, actually, when the corporate state meets the you know government. So, um but you know, it makes me sad, man, because I, I learned my, my craft there um, at Disney, and I learned it well, and I'm very proud of what I accomplished there. And I, and I, I take these things forward and all these this knowledge that I've got in production and music and, and audio and stuff, and I, I'm very fortunate to be able to bring that now to serve you know, Christ and, and uh, to serve our God. You know, that's really what's what I'm here to do and, and to lift people up, that's, and that's what I've love having these conversations with you man because you're so passionate about audio and, and and tone and it's very when i first started listening to your podcast uh back in gosh it was like 19 or so i was following you on twitter before <laughs> you know they they came and summarily executed your account <laughs> which is great they lined me up on the wall and they, <laughs> they did. They like a bunch right, of us <laughs> and like the, the digital assassination and it was there it happened oh totally yeah. man yeah um, and so I, I was just like, I, what struck me was just the quality of your production was always on point, man, which is really cool. And you know, a lot of that is tough and, and some of the, and the Patriot circles and the truth or movement stuff, it's not, a, there's not a lot of chops there. And so we, we're trying to bring our, uh, Jill as well. I mean, she worked at the Mancini Institute, uh, and she was the head of the emerging artist program there. So she is uh, responsible for a lot of really talented musicians working in film and TV and all this other stuff. 
So, and I'm, on top of her being a great musician, we just have such a great time working together. And we speak the same language um, musically. And the funny part is, is that she's so traditional and very uh, trained as a musician where I, I'm, I'm trained in the theory part of it and the compositional part, but the sight reading part, you'd probably have to put a gun to my head and I still wouldn't be able to do it. Um, <laughs> So. <laughs> you just you just hit something pretty interesting there, and I, I want to dig into this because it is the language of music. You and I talk a lot about that, and yeah. and it's um, and, and there's there's a lot to that. I mean, we we had this conversation just the other day, which is about where music is these days. And music today is a digital yeah. download file, but we miss the the context and the the human element within that experience. As far as I'm concerned, it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate still about vinyl and about tube. Because yeah. there's a there's a dimension in that that's a I will call it the imperfect of, of perfection, and it's mm-hmm. it's just it, it's there's a real sense of realness in the older way of listening to music. You had to take vinyl was something you had to take care of. You had to clean it every time you use it. You have to make sure your needle is is in good shape. You can't just take it for granted. And unfortunately, what's happening with music today, it's just becoming another download. So you spin through it, and there's not a lot of sense of value in it. But I want to talk yeah. about that language, though, because I think that I think all that goes into the language. What's your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's the universal language, and music unites regardless. And I think whatever your, uh, your background is, your, your faith, whatever that is, it doesn't matter, and it brings people together. And that's what drew me to it, uh, just... You know, I couldn't, I couldn't stay away. I was 15 years old and I picked up my first guitar and that was it. And it bit me like a snake and I was, that was it, man. That's what I'm going to do. And when I saw, when we were, I perform all the time, man, and how people would react and how people would treat, just like treat me. And like, I'm, I'm like, like, I'm just another guy in the world, but they, it, it has a certain kind of power that you don't really know if you're, if you're not rooted well, I think in yourself and your faith and all that, it, it can, it can do bad things to you, which obviously after watching Sam Smith, the Grammys, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. That was yeah. terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it is the, it is that it, there's no misunderstandings from the heart and you don't have to, there's no like, you know, Oh, he typed this text to me and it had this emoji that I don't know what he means by that or any, there's none, none of that misconception, you know, misconstruing of, of intent or any of that. It's uh, very, very simple and very and heavy and in a good way, you know. Um, so that's my my feeling is is when I'm when I'm arranging a new song, I'm working on something new. If it if it stops me in my tracks and I'm moved by what I'm doing, then that means that's I, I've got the the word the go the green light to keep going. And I, I don't I won't proceed to go into production until I get to that point because it's it's at some point you're gonna get halfway into the production going, this is just, you know, as my dad would say, pissing on a flat rock. <laughs> so <laughs> well there is that. <laughs> There's there, that. There is that. You have on your I'm trying to see what album it is. One of your albums, you have a basically a tribute to Ted Nugent. You've done the um the Star Spangled Banner the way he did it. Which one is that? That's on my, uh, it's the singles, it's from Victory, I think. It's, it's all the guitar instrumental singles that I've done. And that, I, I released that, gosh, it's been 2014, I think, is when I did that. And, you know, Ted is just such an, a force of nature. And um, I just, I love his attitude. And uh, he's, he's got a lot of heart, you know, and it's, it shows. And it's for him to do what he's doing right now with the energy level that he does it. It get, it's just 
it's showing you me the way because I'm in my 50s now going, wow, I, I've got a long way to go, which just really makes me happy to see that because he's uh, he shows us the ways in such a great way. Man. And he doesn't put up with any crap. I love that. <laughs> no, and he, he, he just doesn't. he just says exactly what's on his mind. And he's not he's not afraid. He's he really takes that fear not part really seriously. And I love that. Definitely does. So how was did you how did you go about doing that? Did you just ear pick up what he was doing or just just pick up the general tenor and try to what did you do he's man he kind of does it in a different key i think and i i'm much more of a i guess from when i approach things from a guitar standpoint i like to uh use a lot of open strings and a lot of kind of like uh dual string uh, dyads and things like that when i play so it's more like an americana almost a slide um, uh, blues kind of feel. So I, I did it in an open, kind of an open E situation. And I, it really, I just wanted it to kind of like at the very end too, when the, the last note tails off, to have it like a little bit bittersweet that, you know, the Star Spangled Banner is here to, to inspire us, but at the same time, that sacrifice that the people have made before us, um, if we forget that, and that's where we are now, we've forgotten that. And that's why we're sitting in this big, poop sandwich situation that we're in and it makes me really sad because you know my dad's a vet my mom you know supported him and uh, so many people that have gone out there for our country that have been lied to and stuff and so that i think that even has more meaning because i when i make when i when i compose music for myself or i'm doing a cover i want to i don't want it to be like like for instance amazing grace you know and i i don't want it to be like a, a church hymn i want it to be like a contemporary song but it's a hymn and I want to convert that into something that's going to be a lot more accessible to people because, you know, a lot of times people get into that headspace where, oh, I'm in the pew, I open up the book and I got to start singing. And I, you, you take the, the cues from the preacher and all that stuff, which is amazing because that's a sense of community. And I think the biggest thing, though, is I just I want to take you to a different place. I want to I want to paint a picture for you sonically um, that's going to make you want to listen to it over and over and over again. You know, while you're sitting there at the lake with your friends and having a cookout or whatever, just you know, sitting on the porch at night, just chilling out after a long day, kicking, you know, that song on and really letting it soak into your, your soul is, is really what I wanted for it to achieve. You know? No, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Brian, you, you have a, I, I, I'm going to call it a wow pedal and that is not the right term, but you've got a <laughs> pedal that is, it's tube and tape. Isn't that right? And it's something really unique. Yeah. It's uh man, it's actually, well, okay. So there's a big in the audio nerd world, um, which, you know, we both understand very well. Um, they're uh, back in the sixties, they made this thing called the Echoplex and it's, the, it's a tube tape echo and you could get just this beautiful sound and on basically this, it's a box and it, it runs tape. Um, it's almost like the old Heath kit stereos, you know, when you do the reel to reels. So it has a kind of a small tape cassette you put into this box and the preamp that basically amplifies the guitar signal into the unit itself has a tube. And, you know, you can, if a perfect example of how this works is if you listen to Jimmy Page from Zeppelin, he used the uh, front end of the Echoplex to, to boost his marshals on stage. He didn't really even use the delay. He just used the front, the circuitry of this um, delay box to run into his marshals. And it just does something magical. It's, you can't put your finger on it. And if you get something, if you get a, a pedal version that they make like approximations and stuff, and it gets pretty close, but it doesn't do the same thing, you know, it, and it's, it's psychoacoustic, you know, it's, you're not going to really be able to look at it on a, uh, on any kind of scope 
or see it. I mean, you might, I guess you could, but it's more about how, how does the guitar feel in your hand when you're performing it? And that's what it's all about. Because if you got great tone while you're playing, I mean, you can play things that you never even thought of before or practiced before because the tone just starts this really beautiful feedback loop in your, your head and your heart. And you just let go. And then all of a sudden you're into this new zone of, I've never done that before. And this that delay is one of those things, man. It's like you can buy you know, a $500 approximation that's digital and all that. And it sounds pretty good. Usually, you know, if you're listening to something like that through an MP3 file or whatever, you're never going to know the difference. But if you're a nerd like us and you've got full range <laughs> situation, you know, yeah. and you listen to that, you can A, B, a real tape echo against a digital one. And it's night and day. It really is, man. It's like, and there's, and what it is, it's, it's, it's a three dimensional experience, right? And it's like when you're listening to a mix and uh, you're sitting there and, a, and a, one of your favorite tunes, man, you got a killer stereo system. And it, like, for instance, like uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall, and, and you listen to the kick and the snare, it's just, just so punchy and amazing, right in the, in the center of the image. And then the guitars and the keyboards are all spread out. So it's almost like you're sitting on stage with the band and you're having that experience and it just takes you out, you know? And so a long story short, yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's made by Full Tone and Full Tone has, I've uh, since uh, closed up shop and he moved, um, I think, to, to Nashville, uh, got out of L.A. And, um, and, and he is a, a, an amazing guy, really a, a, a trail, a, just a, a trailblazer, just like yourself, I think. And, and I've always I've been using his pedals since like 1996 or something. So it's it's great. to I've got a bunch of his stuff and I, I cherish those things because they're my tools, you know. No, no, it's awesome. We talk a lot about this older analog world, and it's <clears throat> there's a lot that I feel we miss in the digital world, and I, I really sense that in, say, in the in the digital world things become the ones and zeros take a lot away from everything you just talked about, which is not really tangible. You're not going to always hear the recording difference, but there's a warmth, and there's a sense of music that really comes alive in a tube and a and a and a vinyl and a and a needle and even recording in the old way on tape. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's I'm I'm lucky, and I think that uh, you understand this being Gen X, and we're that uh, kind of that hybrid analog digital because we started with uh, you know having to drag the phone cord all the way to the other room to have a private conversation with the kids right so um yeah i it's not and not to beat up on the digital because man i have made my career in the digital you know and i i get that but when i first started um you know i was working at a place in denton texas um called inside track studios when i was in college and they had a uh, they had a two studer 24 tracks and they had a, a trident series adb board which is for me one of my favorite sounding boards of all times because i think it the eq on that board is just so musical and sweet you know it's, it's just it's the the peaks and where they they put the uh focus on their frequencies is just so nice and it, everything just sounds especially guitars are ridiculous but you know my uh, terry slemons was the guy who used to run that studio and i i didn't know really buckus i had a solid state amp when I went in there I, to record my first uh, demo, I went in there my freshman year mm -hmm. with my band, and we were going to do four songs. And I had a, a whole rack full of stuff, and it was all you know digital, and you know even back in the '80s, right? And he says uh, somebody had uh, left a, a, a 1960s uh, era Marshall Plexi 
and a 412. And he's just like, okay, Brian, we're going to try something different here. We're going to sit you in front of this marshal. And uh, we're going to take this tube screen or this pedal, and we're going to stick you in front of this marshal. You're going to play the same exact thing that you just played through your whole entire rack. And you're going to come into the, the control room and listen to what the difference is. And we did that. And I nailed the track on the first take, and we went into the, the control room. And I was just absolutely blown away. Because, you know, what you hear in a digital setup, it's like this hi-fi kind of fake representation of what the tube amp is actually doing. You know what I mean? So you put that tube amp on 10 and it just sounds amazing. And the, the next day I took that rack to the, uh, to the music store. I sold it all. And I, I, I bought a, a vintage Marshall head and I never looked back. That was it. And that just really was amazing that, and Terry was a very talented guy and a great engineer. He had amazing ears. Um, so it was great to, to see a guy like that. He had already been down the road, you know, for many, many years and uh, just kind of, like a young, dumb, 18-year-old kid walking in and just, you know, thinking he's hot shit, pardon my French, and just kind of like, no, you're not. This is actually how it's done. And I'm like, oh, I have, and that blew my head up to, there's so much to learn on tone and recording, and it really got me into uh, being a studio guy, you know. Well, I think that it's an interesting thing is we, in this day and age where everything is able to be produced digitally off the desktop, that yeah. older way, there was so much, it was so much technical knowledge you had to have. I'm, I'm thinking to Bob Clearmountain, who yeah. is just literally legend. Um, he, he did Bruce Springsteen, Rolling Stones, David Bowie. He did The Pretenders, Brian Adams. And the, the things that were now, like we talk, were simple, something like a delay, which has a pretty huge effect on our recording. They didn't have delays. He made delays by ex literally extending cables and running... <laughs> Is is yeah. he, the guy who was a master of this? Like he, he, a cable difference of, you know, an inch would create a mil, micromillisecond delay that he needed, and he, everything was done in a physical way. And now, you know, like Apogee, as you know, is a is a who makes recording stuff now digitally has replicated a lot of his things in a digital forum, and and they they claim accuracy, but at the same time, there's a there's a certain richness to that that sense of the old way and you know my passion here is, is very much that direction because i think when we get involved with the technology rather than pressing a button there's a human element in the creation that isn't just in the song but it's in the artist artistry of recording and you've, yeah. you've been on that side a lot so what's your thought yeah oh yeah it's i mean you can think about like mic placement and it just a perfect example of that, I think, to, to really illustrate what you're saying is uh, I was doing, um, I was recording, uh, I was head lead engineer on a, on a Mannheim Steamroller record back in like, I like, think it was the two, early 2000s or whatever. And they had Johnny Mathis coming in to do the lead vocal. And so Johnny came in on a Saturday and he's just the nicest dude on the planet. And I mean, just a one taker. I mean, it's a velvet of uh, just a velvet of voices. And it was a really big honor to record him. And um, he demanded to have this 1940s Telefunk and Elam 251 brought in. And this is, you know, I don't know what that might cost now. I think it might be almost six figures now. But I had never recorded on one. So I'm just thinking, holy, this is like Christmas Day for me because I get to record this massive mic on one of the most monster voices that ever was. And um, it was just a great session. And just that put that mic on him. And it's very... Uh, important where you place the mic and where the capsule sits as to the singer and to, to get you know the throat to get the, the the nasal get to get 
all of the enunciation with all of that. And so I've been, I was very lucky to learn from the best at Disney and Warner brothers and all the places I've been, all the guys that I've worked with and gals as well. Um, uh, to have that experience, man, and to listen to that through a fully analog chain was just blow. It blew me away. And the speakers that uh, were in the studio were like a hundred thousand dollars set of speakers or something. It was just like basically what they have in Abbey road. And, um, that, that changed my life. I left a real impression. And, um, cause I was never a mic. I was always a guitar, you know, guy and the, the amps and all that stuff. But that got that really just lit me up into microphones. And I, I'm still not a big of a microphone nut as say you are or some of my other buddies. But <laughs> I, I do have uh, some some nice yeah. stuff. Yeah, you are. So oh, you you got it bad, which is great because I've got a couple. But <laughs> my buddy Randy, he's he's a he's struck bad man. Um, he's got a whole locker full of stuff. I'm like, God bless you, man. Because there's just there's one more. I've got to get one more. Yeah, there's never enough. Um, you're always, and there's no reason. I mean, literally, there's no reason. I mean, I'm going to be honest, but you're like, oh, wait a minute. That just that's got some little thing you need, and you're like, yeah, I got to have it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, what does that do when you, when you you know what does that do when you push it? You know, yeah, it's exactly. like you want to know, right? Yeah, no, it's it's pretty amazing. I I think there's there's a lot to this. Uh, the, the whole sense of it. And it, and my passion is, as you know, I, we, you just said it, I have a lot of passion for mics. I play around with them. Um, and there's just so much to what each mic will deliver. It's yeah. all part of that layering, that, that creation of the sound, because there's, I've, I've really become awakened to the mic just as I've played with it. I've just even like with my own voice and what it will do. And I, I think what's, you hit something though a minute ago that I, I have such relationship to, and it's when you hear great sound, it changes your life. So yes. I had a, I was really blessed when I was in middle school. Uh, there was a librarian who was an audiophile, became a very good friend of mine into late years just before he died. And, and I mean, I say I, I, until he died, we were good friends. And the thing is that he, he had me over to his house and this was when Magnapans had just come out. And the, the Magnapan, he had a set of Magnapan 2As. And if, if, for people to understand, that's an electrostatic speaker. It's flat. You can look it up. It's American-made. It's amazing. There's no moving parts in this. This is all reflective surface. And he had that set up with a Yamaha uh, receiver. And at that time, kind of a high-end Yamaha, uh, which today would be primitive, but a high-end Yamaha CD player. And to experience these speakers in the and to hear sound like this and just to literally it transforms you because you walk into an a living experience of of music music is so native to who we are it's such you already said it earlier it is a language and when you have a passion for it i don't play like you but i have a heart for just hearing amazing music and part of what drives me and it brings yeah. me to the audiophile side is to experience that moment and to hear the brilliance of the artist. You know that when I we first met, I took your your music and I put it on a set of Grado headphones I have, which are just really top end, and I put it through a. Um, it's actually called a shit amp, S H I I T, made in L A, <laughs> which is funny. Yes. And they're they're a there's a funny amp because they use a it's digital, but they put a a tube in it to intentionally what they say is the dirtiest amp you'll ever buy that sounds the best, which is true. And yeah. what happens is you end up with this amazing experience when, and that's when you and I had that conversation of just the way you, the way that you audio engineer your stuff, there's so much imaging. And when we really take time Thanks, to man. slow down, 
right? And this is where I, I really get to this, where I'm kind of leading to this, is music, when we take time to appreciate and have those experiences transforms us, we really tend to take a pause if we do it right. And we yeah. take a breath and we sit to listen to experience, not just to listen to listen. Digital is a lot of listening to listening. Just like, I want to hear the latest tune. I'm going to go do something, go do a workout, do something else. I am one that truly, like I can listen to music more intently than I watch a video. Videos drive me crazy, but or movie. But if I can have a great setup and sound, I can literally walk into the piece and experience that amazing experience and feel and visually let your mind drift to see the placement of instruments. Yeah. And that's what struck me when we first started talking about your music is here you were creating this visual experience in, in stereo that was imaging and a movement that I could walk through where your fingers were on the key on the strings and move through your percussion and move through all these other layers and literally feel that experience of moving through the music with you. That's hard to do. And yet you, you, you do it constantly brilliantly. Thank you, man. I, I, that's a huge compliment. I appreciate that very much because I, I'm very, uh, cognizant of the whole entire process when I start a, a new project or a new tune. Um, I, I, to, to bring the listener in, and it's so hard these days, like you had mentioned, you know, people are so distracted and um, it's very hard to catch people's attention. And I'm not the kind of person who's going to throw out, you know, kind of clickbait. I'm not doing that. If you're not, if you're, if you're not going to listen, then that's fine. I, it's okay with me. I hope you do. I hope you stick around. I want you to listen to it, but I, I don't want, you know, just bait clicks. I want people, I want hearts and souls to come in and listen. And so that way you and I can have a conversation. And that's the people that I want to connect with. All the other ones are out there flying around, uh, you know, listening to Bad Bunny or whatever the hell's on iTunes these days, which I can barely stand. Um, and it's, it is, to have that space in the mix is, is something that I, luckily, I've, like I said, man, I have, I've been very blessed to work with some amazing, very talented people that kind of gave me some secret sauce about how to do that. Um, just in the stereo sense. And then I started breaking out into surround and then also Dolby Atmos, which is, <laughs> I remember I was at Disney and um, I was up restoring some, I can't remember what movie I was restoring. I think it was like Better Off Dead or something like that off the touchstone. And I, uh, the, the lead audio um, uh, VP called me up. He's like, BK, you got to come down and check this out. We just got the, the big theater, uh, you know, on the lot dialed in with the Dolby Atmos right when they first did it. And, we went down there and, and just, I sat in the middle, right in the sweet spot, and they just kicked on the, the Dolby, uh, basically the test uh, audio that they send. And I was just like sitting there with my jaw on the floor going, wow. It, to tell the story in that format is to really uh, blow people away. And it, it's very, it can be very geeky and techy and all that stuff, but just suffice it to say, you know, to be able to bring people into the story and have them forget where they are for that amount of time. Now, you can you would say that's programming, and it is programming. And I, I, you and I have had long conversations about the programming part of this, and programming the right things into people, or at least get, suggesting things for them to to look at that are healthy for them, and not Luciferian and all this other crap that we're dealing with here now. But not to go down that road. More importantly, it is to uh, make art and make content that moves people on a level that is going to kick Hollywood's ass because 
they have no heart and soul in their stuff. And the people that are starting to break off from all these, you know, studios and I, over the next few months, there's going to be a lot of unemployed people with a lot of talent out there, you know, and I hear Jill and I, we, we were, um, I guess, luckily ahead of the curve, you know, kind of like all of us that kind of woke up to the, the, the grift way back, you know, like five years ago or whatever. And some of us have been with longer than that, I guess. But um, it's uh, it's so important that when people hear something they like and they know that the, the artist values align with theirs to support them, because there's no other way for us to build this parallel economy and take these guys down unless that happens. And anybody who wants to bitch about, well, gosh, you know, this these people are all these, you know, my kids are listening to this crap. I'm like, well, you know, why don't you support artists that actually align with your vision and your faith or whatever you believe in? And then maybe it'll change because, you know, there's, there's no underwriting for music right now. It's like, it's, it's basically everybody considers it free and okay, that's fine. If that's the way that's going to be. Then I, you know, I'm not, I'm not the guy who's going to change the conversation on that alone. I, I'll try. But, um, you know, if you don't support the, the, the artists or just from the filmmakers that are in the, in the movement here and all of this that's going on, you know, this has to be and, and the um, I don't even want to say the Republicans or the GOP because they're they're just as bad as the Democrats. I mean, just the people that are of God, God fearing, God loving people that want to have good entertainment, you know, they're going to have to start, you know, stepping up and saying, well, we want to underwrite this for, so our kids have good you know, children's books to, to read and, and children's stories to watch. You know, I've done a ton of cartoon work in my, in my life. And a lot of it was really, really good at Disney. You know, I, there's been a lot, I had a lot of great years there and uh, I had some not so great years there. I'm sure right now, you know, it's uh, everybody's got eyes in the back of their head, but. Now, it's, you, um, you bring up a really good point. And is this, yeah. is a, this is a big shift in the economy. Yeah. We, when we talk about the digital downloads, like on Apple, I mean, the, the artist doesn't make much. Right? I think you make what, like 30% off of a download in Apple, something like that. Or it comes it, out to, yeah, maybe half or whatever, but okay. most people don't purchase man. Most people stream and nobody was at the table with all these guys like Apple and Spotify and, and Amazon and the, the big streamers. Nobody was at the table on our behalf to say to negotiate the streaming rate. Yeah. That's, and that's so, a huge deal. Yeah, it is. That's a huge, it's huge, man. And nobody talks about that. And of course, our government's completely worthless, so they're never going to do anything about it. So, no, and it's because that's that changes it, it transfers the copyright, but it also changes the whole way that music runs because of the control then put by the big corporations that can manage that. I think people really forget that, like when you talk about Apple, I mean, they're making a ton of money off of that. Plus, their service, the musicians get very little. There was an interview I came across the other day, and I cannot remember the name of the band. It was three black girls that were talking about how they had had several million dollars in sales and they were flat broke. And yeah, people just don't understand that's the way it's been a long time in the industry that they have written the contracts and they've cited the thing to where musicians are out there, but they're literally being financed on many are being financed on leverage debt and they're indebted yes. to the, to the company. And that's always that cycle. I mean, I, I was, I was stunned when I, I, this was a few years ago and I was working with a t-shirt manufacturer and he was kind of giving me the inside on where these bands really make their money. And it's not the album and it's not the concert tickets. It was literally t-shirt sales. And yes. it was stunning when you do that. Cause they would like just one particular band he was working with their main venue. They would try to sell 10, 20,000 shirts at a concert and that's where they made their profit. Everything else was taken by the promoter. Everything else was taken by the, 
the, by the label, but that was their only profit. And when you start relying on that, you're not, I mean, that's a whole different game then. And that's really kind of what we've, we're coming yeah. around to the realization that there isn't a lot of market in the, in the way we're accustomed to now for that. I mean, it's, yeah. I think we go back to vinyl, which one of the beauties of vinyl was that you were literally bought the album. If you wanted it, you bought it, you recorded it yourself, you then could, but it's, and, and the, the profits then within that structure, as much as it worked, I mean, there was a legitimate purchase of a product. Uh, I think that the streaming world, I mean, this, it's just a very different economy and it's, it's going to have to be rethought. And we talked about that a lot. I don't know what the answer is, but there's, there's definitely some challenges yeah. for remaking a world because we need music. We absolutely need music. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. And that's something, like I said you know, earlier, it's like I, I, I want to be a part of that conversation to help bring, you know, quote unquote, bring awareness. You know, <laughs> like everybody's trying to bring awareness to their cause. It gets really tiring, no doubt about it. But I think that if people really value um, great music and they value the artists that, um, that are making it. You know, I, I don't want to be a T-shirt salesman. I want to be a musician. And I, and I spend all my time creating the art. And so it's, it's gotten to the point where you've got to wear 20 hats in order to, you know, pay your bills. And at that point, you're just like, it does, it's not worth it. You're just like, I, I might as well just go work in a warehouse somewhere and just have a nice, quiet life and not, you know, deal with the hassle. But, you know, the good Lord put the, the spark in your heart and you follow your, your, your dream and you keep doing it because you love it and it's in your, in your DNA to do it. Um, which it's going to, you know, I'll die with a guitar in my hand. I'm lucky, you know. Um, <laughs> you feel it from your cold, dead fingers is what you'll do. I'm going to bring yeah. up somebody who's, I, I can't stand this dude. I'm just going to preface it with this. I cannot stand him except for one thing he did. And this is Dave Grohl. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dave mm -hmm. Grohl is just a pariah to me, among other things. But Dave Grohl did something really phenomenal a number of years ago. And what he did is he took his band, Foo Fighters, and he set up an old school studio in his home that was recording on tape in analog. And he brought them in to revive the inspiration of creation for the band. And I, and I, as much as I can't stand Grohl, including his dumb album, 666, I mean, you can't get worse Ugh. than that. But that moment yeah. was really, that whole story was really phenomenal because his band had to learn to replay music. And why that's so interesting is to, they were even in the interviews of this talking about how, and I want you to talk to this, how in the modern day, like if you miss something and they have to redo a lick, they could just do that little they could do those chords or they could do that one little section in the music and then you can audio tune it to fit it in and make it just right. You can't do that on tape. You can't no. do that in the old analog form. So these guys, Correct. it was like first time through, right? Or redo the whole thing. And it, there's with that, we start to see an entire different level of performance out of a musician that comes from the era of analog versus the era of digital where you can just patch it together. And you've talked a lot about that too within the, even the Hollywood talent using audio tune and things like that. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, certainly I'm right on point with you with the Grohl situation. And then you got the bands like the Kaiser Chiefs going, oh, if you don't have your Pfizer backs, you can't come in. I'm like, great, I won't. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> I won't be missing you guys. Or what is it from Office Space? I wouldn't say I'm missing it, Bob. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I think the here's the thing about what's going on here is we've got this millennial and Gen Z people are coming up, and there's some amazing musicians that have got really beautiful, fresh ideas out there on the young 
young talent. It makes me very happy to see. Um, and but I will say on that flip side, they've used technology to such the nth degree that most of these people cannot go on stage and and perform because everything's spliced together in the studio. You know, it's well, even a lot of these times, you know, they're doing these videos on YouTube or, or you know Instagram or whatever, and you know, there's not a lot of actual real performance. Now that's not all of them, of course. And I will give Grohl credit on that too, because you know, I came from a place where one of my first experiences in this studio where the drummer was in the booth and I'm in, I'm in the tracking room and I've got my amps and we're, we're recording everything live. But the thing was, is that we had been playing these songs at, at, to all, at all the clubs and we had been playing live and, and touring around our local area and regional area at all of the smoky, crappy dive bars. And so we had our set down. So we walked in the studio it was just like, you know, it was just like drinking a cup of coffee or something. We can nail those songs, no problem. But you're right. It's like when you have the right studio and the right engineer and the right sounds, um, something just goes through the roof, you know, as far as the inspiration goes. And once you kind of get like the first take jitters out of your way, man, you can just start, you know, hitting bullseyes every time. And that doesn't happen much anymore because people don't have that experience. And I'm not so sure it's from it's not really any fault of their own because you know, we were lucky to have all these venues to play and there's not all that, there's not a lot of support for young talent to go play uh, the club circuits in a lot of these cities because, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a lot of DJs and stuff like that. And that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah, this new, this, I, I would like to see some of this new generation get really, I guess, what would you call it? Uh, paleolithic <laughs> and get in yeah, the studio and, and freaking do it for realsies because I know that the guys in Nashville there's a lot of great players in Nashville man and those those first call guys and I, I'm no first call session player um, but man these guys are, are dialed in and they can get it done and there's there, there's those people out there like Jill she's kind of that stripe as well when she was doing um, uh, recordings in, in LA for, for films and stuff you know this you got to be on your A game and you got that's you live and breathe your instrument every day because that's the commitment you have to have in order to walk into a high pressure situation and, and execute, you know? No, that's a good point. I mean, I, we, we do have an interesting era here of a potential revival. I saw something the other day that was really interesting and it was, um, it was a techno sound that they created completely analog, and it was really cool. They had a guy playing playing what was essentially a ukulele. They had another guy playing a trash can, and and yeah, a, yeah, yeah. And then they had a third guy with a power washer and a bullhorn. Yeah, yeah, dude. And, and, I and, saw that. And I and I it you could if you understood what was going on and you just listened to it, you would think they did it all on the techno on the digital side, and they recreated the whole sound with natural. I mean, with analog stuff, right? I, yeah. When I see stuff like that, I get really inspired because that's that's true creativity and that's people yeah. really tuning in to how to make sound and how to really make it work. And I think that's the whole kind of the whole art here is we're dealing with we become very convenient. And as you know very well, whether it's logic or whether program you're using for a, a, a DAW or a, a digital audio workspace work environment you have these libraries. I don't even know if people realize this, but there's these unbelievable libraries of sounds and you literally yeah. don't have to have a band. You can create everything digitally and not have to worry about anything. And you can even create your own, you can create your entire piece and never have to play a piece of music. 
this is where we've arrived. And then we arrive at the next layer of this, which is the modern version of insanity, which is AI creating it. So we're ending up in a a farther and farther distance from true sense of creation from the person. And, and this is where I see there's, there's such this bifurcation that we now have to address. We either go with the artist who's really creating, or we go with the, which will ultimately become that artificial intelligence artist who's Uh creating it out of libraries and mimicry and whatever else, because the latest thing is that every big name artist in by the end of the year that's on a label will have an AI avatar creating music for them. And yeah. basically all they will do is they'll probably just show up or they'll do one of the latest things like a holographic projection of them and they will simply mime the music and the music is being created by an AI versus someone like yourself, Ted Nugent, others that are mm-hmm. out there that are really trying to create real music. That's our real split now. And it, yeah. it seems like that's going to define a lot of who we are, because if we're going to follow that digital side, as much as we can talk about the, the kind of the advantages of the digital, it's going to be the analog that defines us versus the digital creation, in my opinion. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I, I would liken the AI music creation to the creation of the fiat currency. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well said. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, that's where we're at here. It's worth nothing. You can wipe your butt with it. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's the, the human connection, the heart, the beating heart to it is what brings, you know, what brings you in it. It's what keeps people coming back or makes them have a favorite artist. And I mean, at least I know for myself, that's the, the, the artist that I love and I, I'll, I pull inspiration from constantly. And that's, I mean, obviously Jimi Hendrix is one of those people. And he was one of the guys that was doing the same thing you were talking about Clearmount, where he's flipping the tape over. Right. And playing his guitar backwards and recording that onto the other machine and then flying that back over and putting it back in the tune. And that was so groundbreaking. And when I was a young guy coming up and listening to Hendrix and just not really having any clue what he was doing, I mean, that that kind of, you know, uh, just getting down the rabbit hole on what would this what would this sound like? And just having the time to, to, to experiment and do those things is it's, it's a luxury. And most people now, when you, if you're into that and you're doing that, they're like, oh, you're just, you're playing Peter Pan. And I'm like, well, no, this is how artists do. Um, but if they can't, you know, support their families uh, doing what they love, and it's like, okay, this may not be a hard skill like an electrician or a plumber, but I would say just as important, because if you don't feed the soul with music, you know, you're going nowhere. Well, and um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, this gets, no, no, this gets into value. And I think this is yeah. what's really important yeah. is we're, we're moving out of a, a very simplified value system. The value system is how much does something cost? We're moving into yeah. a value of what is it for our lives? So you've just hit a critical thing. Trades are super important. You and I had this exact conversation a day or two ago. Yep. And the thing is we tend to talk about music as an art. We don't talk about music as a trade. And we should. Because if you're going to live happily, you're going to need to have your electrician, electrical work done. You're going to have to have your plumbing work done. You have to have your house built. You've got to have the mechanics on your car. And you also need music. It, it, yeah. To me, there's the happiness of the health and the heart and the soul centers on music. And if we will truly embrace that, then we start to understand, we start to value things differently. Dr. David Martin 
as, as controversial as he can be, he hits on something so true about value, which is we have no value structure for things that we can't physically buy. So if we get into, for example, mm. music, or we get into philosophy, or we get into spiritual guidance, or what is the value of that in our culture? And if we can't put a number on it, we don't value it. But the way yes. we're going, we have to start valuing it because it's what is the center point of health. And it's no surprise, especially when we get into frequencies that are correct, like 432, how mm -hmm. important music is to our whole health. Oh, yeah, man. And it's there's so much to unpack again with with this conversation and to just quickly rewind a bit to go to your first point being with this ai generated uh stuff and and the, and the plugins and the sound libraries and and th those are those are creative choices you know and i i have all of that and i use those sparingly when i need to it, number one we work on a shoestring budget so it's like i sometimes i'll I'll hire a musician to come in to play drums or bass or whatever if I don't have time to do that. But when you hear most of our, our stuff, I, I've programmed the drums, and that's a that's a very high-end drum machine playing those parts that I've programmed because, number one, it's like, you know, and, and then there's an AI system in that plugin where you can take your guitar parts, right, and fly that audio track into the plugin, and it's going to look at it. And you're going to say, okay, what you have to plug in, you know, the meter and the tempo and all that stuff. And then it'll, it'll actually pull patterns out of all these different sound packages that you have and put together a drum track for you. Now, is it good? Yeah, it's, it's a, it, you can start there. You can at least have some things to get some ideas. I think the AI can give you some ideas, but it's for me, it's like, I don't really use that because I would, I, I know exactly what I want to hear and I know where all my sounds are. So I go pick them and program them myself. Because um, I, I just feel like it's so disingenuous to, to, to use that because it's not, I don't know, it's like, I, I don't want to have uh, Steve Jobs playing drums for me. <laughs> you know so, yeah, no, no um, kidding. That's, that's, a well, that's well said. All right, so you've got, you've got some remake or a new remake you're working on, right? I am, man. In fact, uh, the, the uh, Bards Fest theme from 2021, we're doing Coming Home. We're taking those original tracks and I'm uh, putting a full band production to that, that tune. Uh, I just laid down the bass uh, tracks last night and um, we've got you on, on uh, Cajon. We've got, uh, we're going to have a full kit, full drum kit, new bass. Uh, I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to produce the rest of it yet, but it's so cool to, to take it to this place because the song just like, you know, it was really cool stripped down like that. And I think it was perfect for the spirit of Bards Fest. Um, but I think this is going to like take it to the next level and have people be able to be even more excited and, and accessible to it. And I kind of like liking it to Jill and I's first original hymn, you know? Yeah, well, Patriots, I just need to be clear here. The Cajon sounds really good in this. Uh, it's an awesome sounding Cajon in this piece. And it's awesome because Brian knows how to take hack and turn it into masterpiece. As my dad used to say, take a sow's ear and turn it into a silk purse. Well, Brian did it. So nicely done. That's the that's the masterful audio engineer that he is right there, I'll tell you. Well, yeah, in your defense, man, is that you were you went down to a I think America, uh, one of the um, the big Patriot festivals down in, in Orange County when we were in LA. And then you drove back up and you recorded that stuff in your hotel room. Yeah, I did. It wasn't the best, <laughs> but we did. The I best. mean, no, but it sounds great. I mean, you did a great job on the recording. It's just like, it's so hard to concentrate on performance, especially yeah. when you're in a freaking hotel room. <laughs> That's, there's a truth to that. No, it turned, it, you did a great job of pulling it together. And I'm, I'm happy we were Thanks, able man. to use it. And it, it really, 
it does sound wonderful. It's a great piece, and I'm really honored to have been part of it, even in a little way. So it's really cool. So when is that going to be? That do you have a timeline on that? Yeah, I think I'm trying. We've got the artwork done, and Julie's so good with the artwork. She, you know, I've kind of given that to her to really push um, on doing the covers and stuff, and she really enjoys that. So that's done. Um, so I think we'll have. I'll probably be done with the mix maybe this time next week or the week after tops it should be out probably by the first week of may i hope so where can people find your work that's a big one you know as far as my own personal stuff you can reach me at uh at my homepage, briankahanek.com um and it's uh, k-a-h-a-n-e-k and you can find most of my catalog of, of all the way back from guitar hero video game to you know, to now from 2004 was when I started making my first solo records. Um, so I've got about six or seven full studio albums on my site. And then the Kahanic stuff's there too. But the stuff that I'm kind of concentrating on right now is, um, is Jill and I for, for the Kahanics. And uh, we're doing, uh, we've done Amazing Grace. We did uh, O Come Emmanuel for Christmas last year. And then the year before that, uh, we did um, O Holy Night, which was a, a instrumental, just a duet with Jill and I. But I think this year I've got a few other tunes up my sleeve for Christmas this year, which is going to be fun. And I thought that it'd be really cool. Jill, Jill actually, this is Jill's idea. And we were listening to some tunes and, and then um, Elvis's version of Battle Hymn of the Republic came up. And I've never been a massive Elvis fan, right? And I, I guess somehow he kind of missed, missed me in some ways. But when I listened to this man, I was like, this dude, I, I, I get it. I totally get it. It's amazing. So we're going to do our version of the Battle Hymn of the Republic at some point. I hopefully this summer, depending upon how things are going with you know where we're 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 going to end up full time. We're not quite sure yet. We're looking at Nashville, maybe Maine, or maybe staying in Montana. We're not quite sure yet. So um, that's some exciting stuff ahead. So, well, Brian, this is awesome, man. I'm glad you joined us. I'm going to do a prayer if that's okay. Please. And Father God, I just want to thank you for this time and just always just a great conversation about one of the most important things in our lives, which is the, the, the language of music. It's always an honor to have Brian here, and we just pray for him and pray for Jill, for all the resources that they need and all the blessings that they have to continue this amazing journey in, in really redefining music for this new kingdom space, to take that step forward, to try to forge a new way in valuing music more deeply, to bringing amazing songs and, and tunes to our lives, things that we can trust, which is so huge, and things that really speak from the heart. So we just ask for the continued inspiration that Brian has and Jill has and continue to guide them in all that they need and, and continue to bless them. And we thank you in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. But that was beautiful. Thank you. You bet, brother. No, it's really exciting, and it's it's uh it's inspiring too. And I just I really want to highlight this here as we close this out. But you know, it's it's a it's a real courageous step to do what you're doing. It it, it was it's much much easier to stay with the the Mickey Mouse Club, and um, <laughs> yeah, and it's it was a it's been a big step to do that, what you're doing. And it's hard. And music is not an easy place to try to forge a new way forward. I think, you yeah. know, in our conversations we had in, the, in this announcement, you're going to do your YouTube channel. And you need to keep me posted on that because a lot of people yeah. want to follow that. And to build that out, I think, is going to be part of a, a real cool direction for you. But it's we're really entering into an era of the storyteller. We are in the era of a storyteller. We're in the era of the war, of the, the victory and war through the storytellers. And 
we can't understate the importance of story and music. I mean, just I just have to keep pounding that home because we we get a lot of storytelling, but the music, especially music we can trust, is just far and few between these days. You know. Amen, brother. And it's been so tough on this end too because some of my big heroes have come out to be just nincompoops, you know, and, you just, and it just, it undercuts, you know, it undercuts the, the, the inspiration that, and I'm, I'm trying to separate myself a little bit from that to still find value in their work and, and all of that. But it's really hard because, you know, if, if we're not aligned in the heart and the soul, and I don't, I don't know where you're coming from. It's like, I think Bob Dylan was just like, yeah, the dark, the dark Lord is writing lyrics for me or something like that. I'm like, Oh, okay. No more Bob Dylan. Thanks so much. <laughs> You know, so thank you, brother. It's I appreciate it, and I just want to you know get across to Patriots that all you amazing people out there that have have contacted us and supported us, we we get all your notes, and and I I try to write back as much as I can. There's so much going on. I, I will get to everybody that's donated to us, and it, it makes a huge difference when you do that because you know there's a lot of times that we're sitting here going, you know, you put out this song into the world, you don't really get a lot of feedback because we're not on tour right now or we're not touring at the moment. And so when people, they, even if you just download it for free and listen and send something back, that's, that's more than enough. Um, because it, it gives us that, that heart space to keep going and it fills the tank because it's tough to work in a vacuum, you know? Yeah, it is. No, it's very true, especially in the creative space. And it, it's, it's different than when you're sitting with a jam group and you're, you're working all the time. You, there's a lot on you to find that voice. That's, it's really something, but you're doing great work, Brian. It's Thank always you, inspiring and just, uh, just really encourage you to keep going because this is, we're, we're all trying to forge through in a new direction here. And it's not, yeah. it, they're not making it easy. Let's be real, you know, but, <sighs> but the music is what we need for the heart. And it, it's one of the things we talked about when we first connected and General Flynn introduced us and it was cool. I mean, it's just like, it was, it's so important to keep the heart and the spirit going through music. And I, yeah. I, I, to kind of just capstone this, we, we can find a lot of Christian genre music. And even that, when people, people don't realize when you pull that under the cover, it ends up being the same dark Lord stuff. We ran into that <laughs> already. I was, I'm shaking my, I'm shaking my head at how many bands have sold out. They call themselves oh, yeah. Christian. But what's really inspiring about your genre and what you're doing is you're 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 driven by your love in Jesus and in your love of God, and yet your music is just it's inspired that way. It doesn't have to always speak that because you feel it. And I think that's what's important to understand is you're doing some great hymn work, but the other parts of your music are just alive from the heart, and that's the most important thing. We've got to be able to feel that and trust that. So, good is to you. Thank you, man. Amen, brother. That's it. It's uh. You know, just keep keep your heart in a, in a good space, everybody. And like we're trying to do as best we can through this mess and this muck. And uh, yeah, it just focus on the things that make you happy and creative. And I think that's the best way for all of us to get through this mess. Absolutely. Well, brother, I just wish you the best. We'll keep in close touch. And uh, thank you for coming on tonight. It's really awesome. My pleasure. Thank you, man. Honor, brother. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, Patriots, that is Brian Kahenick, good friend, amazing musician, amazing recording artist and audio engineer, uh, inspires me. He does, um, pushes me when I hear his work, I'm inspired to try to do more of my own little levels of audio engineering, but truly a, a, an inspiration in knowing that there's musicians out there that are really committing themselves to this walk and have taken some pretty big sacrifices to get there. Um, 
I'd really encourage you, if you don't know his music, I'm going to put the link up below the podcast. That's Brian Kahanek, um, and that's K-A-H-A-N-E-K. Um, check his music out and his whole portfolio. It's, it's really good stuff to listen to, beautifully engineered. And then Jill and him also have music together, with, and, they, and Jill, his wife, is just amazingly talented in what she does. So it's what I can tell you is probably one of the most assuring things is that when you to have Brian's music in your home is to have something you can trust and not have to worry about some sub agenda that like every one of these retarded companies likes to do. This is just music from the heart and someone who really walks with Christ and, and, and he sings and plays that way. So really good to have him on. So Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, Ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.